0: Welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I am your host, Mel, and this is episode number 28. My guest today is an entrepreneur, CrossFit athlete, and one of the most honest and genuine women you will ever come across. She knows that your biggest advantage is that nothing in life can't connect back to who you are. Her online slogan is came for the CrossFit, stayed for the sex, and I really believe we only skimmed the surface of what I wanted to touch. Kate Gordon believes that by improving your confidence, you are also able to improve on your communication skills and this is such a vital skill to learn in really owning who you are, owning what's happening in your body and taking control of feeling fucking good. So without further ado, here's Kate. Kate motherfucking Gordon, how are you?
1: What's up? I'm good, I'm good. Nice to see your face.
0: Thank you. Um. All right team, welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I have CF Kate or Kate Gordon here with me uh I have no idea where this podcast is gonna go and I'm open for it (laughs) I don't know how much my audience is ready for it but I'm ready for them to be ready yeah I'm pretty excited to just go to all the places (laughs) so Kate how was your weekend tell us a bit
1: about what you did on the weekend yeah, so um, in Australia and New Zealand, within the CrossFit world, we had semifinals in the weekend. It was in Brisbane. Um, it's called Torium Pro. Um, big weekend. There's a whole lot of fit people that just hang around the Pet Rafter Arena. And it's pretty, it's insane. Like, uh, you know, I've been in the CrossFit community for over over a decade. And so those events are like just these awesome reunions with everybody. So it's a yeah. super super social event for me, which is really cool. That's part of the, probably the one of the best
0: things about CrossFit, right, is the community and being able to go to these events and connecting with people that you just don't get to see all the time, but you absolutely fucking love.
1: Yeah, and it probably took things like COVID lockdowns for me to realize some of that stuff. Um, I've never struggled personally with, you know, really challenging mental things or mental health issues, but I certainly know that when I lost the gym, I realized how much that gave me a social circle and fed my my sort of extroverted side and gave me this outlet to be around people and connect and communicate and talk with people. Um, it really is, you know, an incredible method to train, but it it also serves me in so many other ways. Like I, I just, I couldn't imagine going to a gym to train on my own anymore. I wish I could, cause it would help when I do things like travel or have other goals. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, I love jumping into a class and hanging out with people and just, yeah, the social stuff has probably carried me through all my journey. There's definitely been low points with my journey with CrossFit and being in a community that supports me is propelled me through those. Have you always felt like you've had community? Like,
0: you know, you just said you've been in the um, CrossFit world for 10 years. Have you always felt like you've had community?
1: Yeah. I think that was what sucked me in. Like I started CrossFit end of 2011 and it took three months to kind of just learn the lingo to just be like, what's a clean and jerk. And I don't know what this movement is. Three months. I think I'm still, I'm
0: like 10 years in. What's the difference between a jerk? and a?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think once I got three months in one, I started to learn a couple movements that took, you know, the three months that I'd been doing CrossFit to learn like things like kipping pull-ups. I finally got my, first one. Um, but then the second thing that happened was I was I started CrossFit in New Zealand um, and then I was in Australia and I dropped into an affiliate in Gold Coast and it was rebound CrossFit Gold Coast. And I just spent maybe, maybe I dropped in like three or four times and I still talk to some of those people. Um, I still know the owner. Like I see him every time I'm over there. Like I see him, you know, at this event that we were just at this weekend. Um, it's just like, that was when I was like, oh, I can walk into any CrossFit gym now and chat to people. I like, can get to know people and kind of have this sense of community wherever the in the world I am. Um, so that for me was a really big like aha uh-huh moment with regards to just, giving me some sense of fulfillment in a way that I really didn't expect through the gym. Um, and I've grown up in the gym, like my my dad is a real gym bunny, mom not so much, but she she was doing it when she was with dad. And my earliest memories are like in the crash at the gym. Some of the, my earliest memories are like doing all those things. And uh, this gym that I'd literally grown up in, I would go in when I was in high school, I was going in during university and no one knew my name. Like I knew everybody. I was doing the same classes. I went to the same instructor's sessions. And no one fucking knew me. And I was like, man, I have been coming to this gym my entire life, quite literally my entire life. And no one knows me. No one talks to me. I smile at people and I kind of like go to the, you know, like I see the same people, but where it's all this, everybody's got walls up. Um, And when I went into a CrossFit gym, I went in for my second session and they were like, Hey Kate. And I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) People are talking to me and calling me by my name. Whoa. And it was just, yeah, that was like a really striking moment that one. And then obviously um, being in a community in a totally different country and knowing people. Yeah, that's
0: would be such a fucking cool experience. Um, It's funny because I've just started training at a gym, like just the local gym to just obviously start moving again. I've just moved. And there, I went in the other day, it was the busiest it has ever been since I've been there. And yeah, everyone's, it's a small space. Everyone's on with their headphones in, like just even in break sessions, like on their phone, like, come on guys. Yeah. Um, Which leads me to a really cool question that I had for you, you know, um, part of your journey is that you trained really hard in the beginning of your CrossFit journey and got some nutrition coaching that wasn't great, ended up on a big body journey. And I think a lot of people who started in the CrossFit world, let's say that 10 years ago, that was sort of the norm to really fucking train hard, reduce your calories and try and get really good results, which kind of led in a generation of burnt out, exhausted people How can you, how do we step back into the gym? How do we go, right? This is something we want to explore now, but we're feeling really old, really deconditioned, really nervous to step back in.
1: Yeah. My journey, you know, I never intentionally tried to fuck myself up. Like I, I I was, um, I was. It's always like a balanced person. I'm, I'm balanced in all aspects of my life. Like I like to put in effort and I like to try hard at things, but I also really, I love sitting on the couch and just like chilling out. Like I, <laughs> I'm quite happy happy to do that. I've never been someone that was like, I can't have a rest day and like, I have to always eat super clean. Like I've never gone to that extreme. So it's almost funny that I did get fucked up because it was like, man, like, how did I get here? Like, it's so frustrating. Cause I was I was trying to do things right. And a couple of things that led me astray was... Um... I was looking for someone to give me clarity with nutrition. I kind of knew like I'd done all the yo-yo diets and tried all the odd things. I'd done the paleo. I'd done like, I knew that I couldn't do whole 30 without breaking the rules. There was too many rules. I was like, this is fucked. Um, I tried intermittent fasting. I'd done um, do can diet in high school, like, which was like, you just don't eat vegetables and you only eat lean protein for like a week and you just lose all your water weight. So like I'd kind of done all these like odd versions of diets. Um, and so I'd sort of figured out what didn't work for me. And being in the CrossFit world, I definitely found this new sense of appreciation for my body, being capable of doing shit rather than looking a certain way. And it was like, hey, you're suddenly more than an object. You're actually, you know, it's an instrument um, rather than an ornament. And that was a really great thing for me to experience. I still wrestle with insecurities, but, um, I, I certainly found this appreciation for my body. So I was actually looking to be healthier. I was looking to be supported in my performance. I was looking to do better in training and wound up with a nutrition coach there. It's a company in the U S it was the only one that I really knew that was kind of Doing what I wanted, um, and I'd already been tracking some of my macros, like I'd kind of loosely been tracking, and uh, started working with these guys. And you know, I always still wanted to lean up a little bit, right? Like I always was like, I want to perform well, but it'd be nice to lean up. Like I wanted, like just get really strong, but I I wouldn't mind losing a bit of fat. It was like that was kind of always like kind of in the back of my mind which you know I think for most women it probably is I don't think any of us could wholeheartedly say like I do not care about my aesthetics Um, and it's not a bad thing I think it's okay I think in fact it probably keeps a lot of us healthy to a degree Um, but it can also be very much a double-edged sword but anyway I found a nutrition coach and um, was put on like under 2,000 calories and I was training twice a day at this point and I'd also I don't think I'd competed at the games at that stage. Um, Maybe I had, but I, you know, I'd been competing at regionals level at the point, at that point, what is now semifinals was regionals. Um, And I'd either been to the games or was about to go to the games. So it's like, you know, I'm, I was like the top of the tier, top tier athlete in CrossFit. It was like, you don't get better than the games. You don't train harder than you train when you're training for the games. So (laughs) to be put on really low calories like that, like that was kind of, a strange thing. And I didn't know it at the time, of course. So within like a month or two, I think I lost five kilos and I was already very lean. Like I, I already didn't need to lose weight. I needed to be strong and eat at maintenance at the lowest. Um, so I lost a ton of weight really quickly. And then I went overseas. Um, and as you do, I just went on holiday mode. Like I didn't really worry about eating. And I, I like I said, I'm a balanced person. So I didn't mind actually enjoying food and enjoying life and not being as restricted and regimented. I actually enjoyed just letting go of some of the rules and having a break, knowing that I would get home and I would get back into routine and it would take care of itself. Like that's kind of, you know, a lot of people freak out on holiday or post-holiday and they're like, I need to lose weight. And I'm like, cool. So go back to your normal routine and you will go back to your normal weight. It's like, it's really hard to become reactive around your holiday weight and think that you need to change something when you're already changing something. You're going from holiday eating to normal eating again. That's all the change you need to make. But anyway, I came back and this coach was like, okay, you've gained weight after the holidays. Um, We're going to put you on 1700 calories. And I was like, that, that seems low. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm a little worried about this. And he was like, okay, we'll put you on 1900 calories. And then on rest days, you're going to eat 1700 calories. So it was five days a week of 1900, two days a week of 1700. And I'm like, okay. And obviously I was already feeling a little sus with my coach. So my relationship was challenged and, um, and then I just didn't feel good. And I, it was really hard to stick to. And I was overeating. There would be like a weekend away or like I was traveling for CrossFit seminars on the weekends and I would overeat and then I would get back in and I'd be like, fuck, I need to like cut back my calories again. And, and it was like this binge, um, binge restrict cycle that, was kind of enforced by my coach. And I was like, okay. And then I started to notice that um, my period had gone. I think I'd missed my period for a month while I was overseas. And then it didn't come back the next month. Um, And that was kind of going on. And I I didn't have a period for, I think it was three months in a row, but it was six months that it was abnormal. Like it was irregular. Um, And I, I just stuck with this coach. Like I was just in that place where you're like, I think it's my fault like it's me i'm not sticking to the diet i'm being really inconsistent and i just need to be better and it will be okay it's my bad like it's it's my issue here it's not the coaching it's not the food it's actually just me fucking it up and that's why it's not working so i stayed with this coach for like nine months and i remember you know i'd started with him in like june or july or and come january i was i had a training partner that i'd started with maybe a, a few months earlier and he was like, man, you're a bit of an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Like there are some days where you're stoked to be in the gym and there are some days where you're like borderline crying and I was like yeah I feel really tired sometimes and then like it's yeah like sometimes I have really good days but then sometimes it's just like it's really and it was like oh my god I'm exhausted like I am exhausted and I couldn't I didn't realize it wasn't hunger it wasn't like it was hunger but I didn't feel hungry I was just emotionally really reactive I was like in the gym I was just unenthusiastic and I felt like any good day or any bad day would just swing me super far on like, like the emotional spectrum of like, if it was a good day, then I was super happy. If it was a bad day, I was Super depressed. So it was just like, fuck. Like, <laughs> and so eventually um the guy that I was training with was actually like, hey, I think you should get onto the zone diet. He's like old school CrossFitter. And I was like, oh, I know the zone diet is not going to help me here. Like it's it's very low calories, the zone diet. Um, it was designed for obese people to lose weight, which has its place and it's really good in terms of like getting people insulin sensitive again if they've been eating like shit and chronically overeating bad food. It's like it's a good starting point. But for an athlete, I just don't really believe in the zone diet. So So anyway, I was like, oh, this one's not not the right thing. Um, Eventually, I reached out to another company and they put me on higher calories, which I was terrified to do. I was really scared because at that point I was like, I might be really emotional and not feel good in training, but I'm also super lean and I've never been this shredded and I look really good and I don't want to gain all the weight back overnight. So of course, I was like like trying to figure out how to work through that, navigate that like emotional mental thing of like I don't like where I am, but I also like where I am. It was like, you know, it's, it's like fucked. Um, and so anyway, the, the long story short of like how I got back into things was that was when I, I tracked for this with this new company for a while and I got up to like 2,400 calories. Um, and then I actually started to not track. I just stopped. Um, and I did it for a month at first and then freaked out and started tracking again. I was like, Oh, a month. That was great. Good job, Kate. Like you've done, you've done four weeks. That's enough. And then I got back on tracking and I was starting to have that same experience of just being a little bit like obsessive about food, like getting into the binge restrict cycle, trying to cut down, like you just, you know, like playing the game. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to stop for three months. And then I was like, no, fuck it. Just stop just stop tracking, stop dieting, just stop all of it. Um, And so I did. And that was the thing that allowed me to one, get back in tune with my body and figure out when am I fucking hungry? Like, what does that feel like for me? It's not necessarily tummy rumbling. It's actually, I just start to have no energy. And then I get a little impatient. Like if you want to, like (laughs) road rage, always when I'm hungry, you know, like, it's like that hangry thing. That's, that's a hunger signal. And I didn't know that it took me a, fucking long time to figure out how to know when I was hungry um and also because like you know I think a lot of us it's like okay when I'm hungry what I'm feeling is when I'm starving like that's when I know I'm hungry and it's like okay well how do you know when you're like a three out of ten so if you think of the hunger to fullness scale One out of 10 is starving. 10 out of 10 is totally full, like overly full. So it's like, I want to start eating when I'm a three out of 10. I don't want to get lower than that. So what does that feel like? I only know what one out of 10 feels like. And then how do I stop eating when I'm an eight out of 10? And now I'm better at knowing that stuff. And I couldn't do that when I was tracking. You just can't. You can't when you've got an app telling you the numbers. Like It's like you're not listening to your body. You're, You're reading an app. So I did that for a long time um, and I literally only track now for maybe I think the longest stint of tracking was just most recently and I did from November through till March um, and that would happen once a year. Um, like I really don't try to track any more than that. And it's only around like when I'm trying to tidy up my food and just make sure I'm eating the right amounts of things for training really. Um, and so one of the other things that happened for me, this is such a long answer. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> I've had so many questions going on. <laughs> yeah. <in>. yeah you're
1: <laughs> like okay. One of the other things, so I stopped tracking. That was a really big thing for me. And that allowed me to just focus on being healthy and feeling my body and listening to my body and then the other thing was that I actually allowed myself to gain weight so part of like not tracking was like fuck it if I gain weight to get over this shit that I've got going on with eating overeating undereating, binge restrict if I have to gain weight to fix this so be it and that was really powerful for me because I think that was when I let go of the oh but it'd be nice to be lean like I'd still kind of like to lose a bit of fat. Like that was when I was like, no, fuck it, whatever. I don't care. And I got up to, I think I got up to about 80 kilos and I was 69 at my lightest. Um, So it was like, not only did I regain the weight that I lost, I lost, I I gained another five kilos, which is the reality of like, if you're doing any kind of diet where you're doing something that's unsustainable. So I got up to 80 kilos and I was competing and that was the second time I went to the games. Um, And so to me, it was like, oh, I'm really strong and I still perform just as well 10 kilos heavier than I was. Like, I'm fine. I don't need to worry about like the story of, oh, I'd be, better, I'd be a better athlete if I was leaner. Like I'd be better at this thing, like gymnastics, running, whatever. Yes, there are some advantages to being a leaner athlete in certain areas of what we do in CrossFit. However, the risk of undermining your ability to train, undermining your recovery, all of those things is potentially more detrimental than any of the positive benefits that you can get from it. And not to mention that I personally find that most women that are saying, oh, I want to lean up for gymnastics. I'm like, it's a big fucking cover up. I get it. I know I've been there. It was a big fucking cover up for me just being like, I kind of want to be skinnier. Like, really? So that was big for me just to be like, you know what? Let me gain the weight. I don't care anymore. I need to fix this thing with food. Um, And that's going to be my one focus. I will not have this and trying to lose weight gain like improve performance and try to lose weight. Fix my eating and try to lose weight. I was like no, just one thing. And so that's what I do now. I don't worry about my weight. Yes, I've been through some weight loss phases since um but more than anything, they've been a byproduct of like I just want to tidy up my eating. I'm focusing on performance now. I'm going to whatever like even like to be honest, I think I lost some weight when I started to just not track because I was just listening to my body rather than like feeling like I had to under eat and then overeating as, as a result as like a symptom of like the under eating. So yeah, I think, um, getting back to the gym for me, it was like, Hey, just focus on being healthy. Like just really focus on being healthy. Be okay with what weight your body's going to be. Um, don't try to change your body. Like try to accept your body, not love it. Don't try to fall in love with it. Don't adore it. Just accept it. Just like get really good at being like, this is what I'm, this is what I've got. This is what I'm working with in this lifetime so i'm just going to try and fucking accept it and deal with it and not let it be the main star of the show like i'm it's not the main character like the way that i live my life and the values and the the health the health metrics that are the real important things in our life it's like let those be the star of the show um and so yeah those were probably the big shifts for me and so it went from train diet and exercise to to training and fueling my body you know it was like just a subtle shift, but it was enough to be like, oh, this is, I really like being in the gym because it's important to me to be strong and fit so I can age well (laughs) and, you know, like be functional in life. And then eating well is, is another, you know, that's another part of it. It's like, that's one of the most important things that we can do to support a healthy body and not only healthy now, but as we go into the next 10, 20, 30, 40, however many years we've got left. So yeah. I guess that that's the benefit of entering
0: your 30s as well. You're all of a sudden realize that you're not 20 anymore. You can't keep living like you're 20 anymore. And you realize life changes and go, right, we're on th- we're on this ride now. Let's support that.
1: Yeah. And I think you have to go through that. Like, you know, our, our fucking prefrontal cortexes don't fully develop until we're in our late 20s. So I think that stuff is really important in your 20s. And then you get older and you're like, you know, is this is this what I'm gonna like have in my brain twenty four seven? Is this what I'm focusing on? Is this like what's really important to me? Um, and it just shifts. And like for some people, it happens earlier. I think CrossFit helped me appreciate my body for more than what it looked like um, very early, which was really good. Um, and I think everybody should, you know, every woman should go through a strength muscle gain phase. Like everybody should do that because I think it's such a way to like flip the beauty standards of our modern world on its head to be like, you know what? No, fuck that. I actually want to go put on some muscle So BRB, Um, I'm going to go do a lifting (laughs) session. So like, I wish everybody would do that um, and just spend time not dieting. It's like, you know, do the opposite from what we think we should do. Um, But yeah, you know, there's a really cool, um, well, I don't know if it's cool, but interesting. I think it's a survey. It was on um, the mind pump guys were talking about it. And it was like, at what age do we peak? lots of different things. And the age that you have peak confidence in your body was 74. Like that was the average age when people are like, you know what? I accept my body. And it's like, holy shit. It takes until 74 years of age. Like the average age of death is 85. Like you're, (laughs) you're only like 11 years away from dying. And finally you're like, you know what? I'm okay with my body. It's like Unacceptable, man. That is fucked. Like we put so much mental energy towards our bodies and and trying to change it and ultimately just rejecting it and like going through these ups and downs with it. And it's like, if we could just try to find a way to accept it and just know that our bodies are, you know, pretty phenomenal tools. They're just vessels. And if we can just do our best to take care of it and let it do what it needs to do in terms of changing, that's gonna be a pretty great life. Yeah, fuck yeah.
0: Um looking at your body as an instrument rather than an ornament.
1: Like that's, that needs to be tattooed on the back of all of our eyelids. Um, I need to credit that. That is, um, if you are on Instagram, go and follow beauty redefined. They have a book called more than a body. And that is one of their like slogans. Your body is an uh, instrument, not an ornament. Um, so yeah, I, I love those guys. Yeah. Um, what I
0: heard when you just said about that study, I was like, wow, I feel really fucking good in my body. Imagine what I'm gonna feel like at 74. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, absolutely. Fuck waiting till 74 to actually feel that. Um yeah. when you say that this company was the only company that were doing what you wanted to do, like you and I both work with women in the nutrition space. You work with men and women, not just women. Yep, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um and so we have, you know, we know what it takes to invite people into this space. But when you were going into it yourself, what drew you to them? Were they CrossFit? Were they, were they working with other athletes in the direction that you wanted to go? Like, what was the pulling point for you?
1: Yeah, I think it was just that they were associated with CrossFit athletes. Like, I think I just knew of them. And they had a service where it was like a weekly check-in. And it was like, okay, cool. I think, you know, I it's funny because you just, you don't really know what you need. Like you don't really know what you're looking for. I just wanted some help with nutrition. Like I probably would have been fine not tracking, to be honest, like really, I, I was already tracking. So I did want a bit of clarity on like, am I tracking the right amount? Do I need more? Do I need less? Like, I just wanted a little bit of, I just needed someone to like check the numbers for me. Um, and then I also thought that I needed someone to change the numbers all the time. Like mm-hmm. that was the other thing that I was like, Oh, my macros need to be changed every week. So every time I check in, I'll adjust them. And now I'm like, Oh no, your macros, if anything should change like two or three times ever, if depending on what your goal is. Um, and stay the same for at least, at least a cycle of your period. Like if you're going to track and you're trying to assess whether they're effective for you, you need to be observing it over a full cycle before you change.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing that i really wanted to touch base on was that you were talking about your appetite and learning what to track your app how to track your appetite without the apps where would you say stress plays a role in that that obviously irritability is a sign of hunger but you know say for example like you know melbourne lockdowns for you they would and the closing of the gym that wouldn't have been a fucking nice experience like how do you when you have an overly emotional experience come into your life how can we How do we track our appetite,
1: our honest appetite in a situation like that? I actually tend to find myself telling a lot of women to eat before they get hungry, especially if they are that kind of person that with stress, with being busy, with stuff coming up, if they tend to be food avoiders. I've been a food consumer. (laughs) So like if I'm bored, if I'm tired, if I'm emotional, like I turn to food. Um, It's my old system of emotional regulation um, and also, because if I skip a meal, I get hungry. Like, I, I think one of the things that I've learned about myself now as well is I've got a lot of muscle on me. So the days that I've trained, my appetite is crazy high. Um, so that that actually pushes me to eat more frequently, which is, is helpful. It's, it's a good thing. Like, I've got a fairly fired up metabolism. Um, but for people that tend to turn away from food, that just forget to eat, that struggle to eat enough, um, that if they are really stressed out, like I, I will do this but only when something really fucked up has happened like um it's probably happened twice in my oh maybe a couple more times like I think there was maybe like a really shit relationship experience way back in the day and then maybe maybe a couple of other like high anxiety high stress environments where I I have really not wanted to eat but that's a pretty rare thing for me um so I think in an extreme environment where you've suddenly had something quite acute happen and in that moment you're like I don't want to eat I actually think that you probably shouldn't find ways to eat you should find ways to deal with what's coming up Um, that's probably the path to regulating yourself and eating again Um, And then for just general stress, for just general day-to-day stuff where you're like busy and like, you're like, oh, fuck, I I don't, I'm not eating enough. I always tell people like eat before you're hungry. Like don't wait. Cause I think that's the problem. People wait to feel that emptiness in their stomach or they wait to feel their stomach literally like return and rumble. And it's like, no, 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 no. If you've gotten to that point, it's too far. Like you've gotten too hungry. So it's like, just pay attention to, for me, um, a big giveaway is when I find it hard to stay focused at work. Like if I'm getting in and out of my chair and I can't sit still and I'm like, I really just can't get into a role with working. I just mentally know I'm probably a little bit zapped and I just, I'm having a hard time focusing. Um, So that usually is a little indicator for me. Like I think a lot of people forget that the food that we eat, it's something like 20 to 25% of our energy intake goes to our brain. And, and it's like so easy to forget that, but what we eat actually is fuel for our brains to work. And so when you're feeling impatient, when you're getting like, it's hard to focus, it's hard to do your job. It's like, Hey, have you eaten enough? Like, have you eaten enough? and Have you eaten enough of the right foods? Um, so that that's something for me that I tell people. It's like, are you feeling like hard to focus at work? Is it feeling difficult to keep going? Um, and if you are someone who forgets to eat, you will have to learn how to eat before you get hungry.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, that also comes from indoctrinated diet culture almost in that, you know, food is just calories in, calories out, and it's helping you with the how lean you want to look or step on the scale. It's not, it's remembering, did you just say 25% goes to the brain?
1: Yeah, I think it's, a, I, I, I think that might be slightly higher than what it actually is, but 20 to 25%. Like bringing in all of these other amazing benefits
0: to fuel our body. Like it's not just the way we look and the way we walk into a clothing shop and put on a pair of pants or whatever it is um, and handle that it doesn't fit us or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, now you have a slogan and I'm probably going to butcher this, but I'm going to give it my best go. Um, came for the CrossFit, stayed for the sex. Nailed it. You yeah! <laughs> No pun intended. Um, <laughs> so what I really want to know is, you know, you've just had this awesome journey from like really wanting to feel your body, really want to feel fucking good in your body. How did that lead into other things for you?
1: Yeah, so let me explain the slogan to people who. Um... <laughs> no, leave it open. <laughs> so, um, I it was actually during lockdowns, um, on Instagram, just started talking about relationships and dating. I was online dating. Um, I talked about one of my relationships where I was cheated on. And just opened up about some of that stuff and um, was starting to date and had kind of decided that I just wanted to date. I didn't want to be in a relationship. I wanted to be single for a period of time. And it was probably the first time that I'd been like, I'm deliberately going to be single. Um, And then, of course, I met my now partner (laughs) and it was like, (laughs) fuck, okay, Um, but we are non-monogamous. So we've always had an open relationship. So I was talking about that as we were kind of establishing it. Um, So we ended up just talking like on social media, I ended up just going down these like funny little q a or amas that would just be super sexually focused (laughs) so it was like it just kind of became this thing um and yeah i think for me my late 20s i definitely shifted with regards to like who i was dating what i wanted like and just sexually as well like you know my a lot of i lost a lot of my inhibitions um and like it's funny in my when I got off the pill I was on the pill for only six years um I say only six years because I know a lot of people have been on it a lot longer still a significant amount of time it was like from when I was 15 or 14 to 21 um and I remember it was the same time that I'd started CrossFit and so I was like oh CrossFit gave me so much confidence that I got like my sex drive that was when I really like felt confident in my body but now when I look back I'm like no 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 that was when I got off the pill and suddenly I had a sex drive and I was like interested in like having like hookups and like more casual like stuff. And, uh, that was the first time that I'd really been that interested. And I was kind of, I was sort of perpetually single through my twenties. Um, I was doing a lot of traveling, I was getting around and like, I just wasn't really interested in anybody. Um, but then yeah, late twenties, um, that kind of started to shift. And I think, yes, I think like. You know, I had sort of figured out a lot of my own shit with my body and with my health. Um, and on top of that, you know, like, you know, I talk to you and it's like we've explored to the nth degree things around how our bodies work and our periods and our training. And you take it to a degree that's not just surface level. And I was doing that in other areas of my life. So like things like orgasm, that for me was a whole fucking journey and we could have a whole nother podcast on that. And I didn't orgasm with a partner until I was in my late twenties. I didn't, I don't think I had my first orgasm until I was in my early twenties. Like it was just stuff that took a really long time for me to figure out. And it's not that sex was shamed in my house when I grew up but it just wasn't talked about and I didn't know anything. Um, And so like this elusive orgasm to me, I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like, I don't know what that feels like. Someone else meant to give it to me. I don't know how to do it myself. Like, and so expecting someone else to be able to do it for me, it was like, (laughs) good luck. Mm -hmm. So like I was kind of on this journey, you know, um, parallel to my fitness and my health and nutrition and all that stuff. Um, And and I think we said this before we started recording, your sexuality is really an extension of those things because it's all part of your body, right? Um, So yeah. Yeah it became this thing that I really just opened up about. Um, and it was a really fun thing. I think social media has become a really interesting tool for me to share about myself um, and be really vulnerable and open. And it has given me so much confidence because of it and actually improved my communication skills because stuff that I was probably a little bit like, oh, even, even saying the word period, like that was a word or like period, Um, uh, vulva, vagina, penis, sex, orgasm, like those are all words that you, when you start saying those words, you're a bit like, period, um... Like I had someone say that to me the other day. Yeah. Yeah, Someone was like, someone talked about uh, menopause, menopause. And she whispered it to me. She like bent over to whisper it because there was another trainer there, one of my male trainers. And I was like, this is so funny. Like we can talk about it it's okay. But it was, they are hard words to say. And so some of talking about it on social media, so publicly has actually really given me confidence with those words. And I feel really comfortable with them. And it's just something that has, you know, allowed me to express myself and to figure shit out about myself at the same time. So yeah, it kind of just, my Instagram kind of morphed into like the sex and CrossFit Instagram. Uh, Hence the stay came for the CrossFit, stayed for the sex. And um, I talk about Greg and I, our relationship a lot on there and stuff like that. So yeah, the, the kind of sex stuff and stuff that was going on for me was, you know, through the last sort of five years, figuring my own shit out um, and then talking about it, um, which is, I guess what you and I have both done, it's like, we've had the hard stuff going on with periods and hormones and training. We've figured it out. And now all we're really doing is relinquishing our resources to empower others to do exactly the same thing. Like if there was one thing that I could do, it would be give everybody the tools that I've figured out, like let everyone have at it, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. And I was
0: just even thinking that like, we have dedicated the first, what, third of our life to figuring this shit out and really understanding what it means for us like let's not make it for somebody else another third of their life like we can mm. really help engage that in you and I know for me it was more figuring out like eating enough food to even have a desire to have sex I was in such a I'm not even going to say deficit because I wasn't in a deficit long enough, but like just yo-yo cycle that there was just not the desire there. Um, And as soon as I started to figure out my energy intake, I was like, holy shit, what is this? (laughs) And That's also something like I see a lot of women with hormonal issues, PCOS, endometriosis, that sort of stuff. And it's the same thing for them as soon as they figure it out. And these people are in partnerships for a long time and they just think, they're women without libidos. Like that's just, that's just something that they weren't born with. Mm-hmm. And I think, cause that's the more common conversation. Oh, you don't have an orgasm. That's okay. Or oh, you don't know what it feels like. Oh, that's okay. Like you can't communicate with that, with your partner about that. Oh, that's okay. And so I think for you being able to speak about this, and I know it was a little bit like, probably uncomfortable at first, but you've just allowed so many women to go, Hey, I want to have a, I want to have a conversation with this with myself and with other people.
1: Yeah. Like, and there's, there's such an opportunity with a partner to learn about yourself. Like, I think one of the problems with, with having been single for so much of my twenties is that I didn't actually have an opportunity to explore a lot of that stuff because I, I wasn't having good hookup sex because I didn't I was only figuring out my own orgasm and my own pleasure let alone trying to tell somebody else how to do it and and like I tend to be more submissive I didn't want to tell someone what to do in the bedroom and then you know you also have hang-ups around like they should be the man and like I'm I'm not going to tell them what to do I'm I'm, I'm going to be more feminine and more passive and like more the receiver and and like it was just like you know you get all caught up in what's to happen what's meant to happen and you assume that everyone's following the same rules and and filling the same roles and it's like so when you get together with someone whether it is casual or long term we kind of assume that we're all on the same page but we're not <laughs> so I think what's been interesting with Greg is we've been together th- coming up three years and now I've actually gotten to know the shifts that happened in my libido. So most recently with training for quarterfinals and semifinals, I was like super uninterested in sex. Um, And like, I still really prioritize it in my relationship. It's pretty central. And we spoke about that early on. Like I, my personal belief is that physical connection for me is, is, pivotal to the relationship. Um, and so I put a lot of time and I prioritize that. And we're lucky because, you know, it's like we we work from home together. We have a house. We live together now. Um, we don't have kids yet. So it's like, you know, you're kind of privileged in a sense to be able to do that. And I know not everybody can do that. But um yeah, it it was just something where in a relationship I was able to actually figure a lot of things out where prior like I possibly did have a shitty libido or have ups and downs that I just didn't know about because I was almost barricaded by this Uh, like, unachievable pleasure. I couldn't get it with ongoing partners. I couldn't get it with casual hookups. So I was kind of disinterested in sex in general. Always intrigued, always curious. Like, I've always been curious about sex my whole life and intrigued into something about it. And I'm like, ah, I just, like, that's so interesting to me. Um, But for myself, it's still, I'm still on the journey of, like, With partnered play and partnered sex, like how do I get the pleasure that I need out out of it? It's a really challenging thing for me to do. Um, So it's been really nice in a partnership to be able to kind of do that with someone that I feel super trusting with, super safe with, super comfortable with. Like I don't think I've ever felt so comfortable with someone um, than I do with Greg, like in terms of male partners. So um, yeah, I think you kind of do need that person in that space to do that with. But like you said, it's like so many things will impact your libido and it could be hormonal. It could be appetite. It could be just fucking being sleep deprived with new kids. It could be also not good sex. Like that was it for me. Like I was like, I'm not, I don't understand girls who go out and have a lot of sex just like casual hookups, go to the bars, pick up. In university, my friends were hooking up with guys and I was like, the sex is so bad. Like, it is so bad. It's not good. Like, and it was always exciting to get picked up or like hook up with someone when I occasionally did do it. But it was just like, (laughs) a lot of the guys were drunk. A lot of the guys were like awful kisses. Like there's the reality of hooking up with people is there's a bit of a dance, there's a bit of a game. There's that like, you know, high of the chase or being chased, whatever it is for you. But ultimately the actual exchange of pleasure and like the giving and receiving and the sex part, like it's, often lacking intimacy it's often lacking pleasure it's lacking communication 100 people don't really know what they're doing they're just taking a stab in the dark and if you do talk about it people are worried that it's going to remove all the rom- romance and you're like god oh. like i've had this conversation with married couples where they're like we don't want to schedule date nights we don't want to schedule sex we don't want to even talk about sex i don't want to have to ask for what i want because it removes the romance and i'm like well would you like intimacy and pleasure or would you like this mysterious romance that never fucking (laughs) just like you
0: don't walk into a restaurant hungry and go feed me and expect the waitress to put the food down in front of you that you really fucking want you actually have to read the menu and ask for it and if you want your steak rare you have to then also communicate hey can you cook that rare like it's yeah like i don't like
1: pineapples on my pizza Some people fucking love pineapples on their pizza. If someone puts a pizza in front of me... Every Tinder profile
0: ever, okay? (laughs) I'm like, yeah,
1: I'm like, I'm not fucking eating that pizza. I don't care how much I love pizza. I'm not eating that pizza. Mm. And there are some people that will fucking do that with sex, right? They're like, I love this shit. And you're like, I fucking hate this shit. And like, people just don't... and, And it was me. It was me for so long, just tolerating average sex and it's still hard, but I'm picking people and I'm better at discussing sex with people in a way that means I know how to filter out people who don't give a fuck about your pleasure. I'm better at filtering out, filtering out people who don't actually want to explore pleasure as well. Like, I think that's kind of a big difference. Like there are some people who would just, just want sex for themselves and like, Hey, fucking more power to them if they want to do that and it works for them. Cool. But then there are some people who like, actually are uninterested in the pleasure aspect of it as well and don't want to learn like and I've had people where I've had very personal deep conversations about sex but they won't ask me a single damn question about what I need and what I like and what gets me off and what my turn-ons are and what doesn't work for me and and like what my boundaries are or what I'd like to try or if I have feedback for them and it's like man, like I remember having this conversation with the guy, like we we saw each other twice. And then after the second time, I was like, okay, that's, I have to cut him. Like, because we'd had this massive conversation about how he had seen a doctor, about his inability to like finish with condoms. And then uh, he was having a hard time staying hard. Like, you know, there's so many performance things that men struggle with as well, which was a big eye opener for me, by the way. Um, But he had seen a doctor and we were really discussing in detail everything that he had going on. And I was like, what do you like? What is, what works for you? Like, what do you do when you're alone? Like, what can I, can we try this? What about this? Do you use any toys? Like, what do you have any feedback? Like, what should we do next time? And I remember the end of the date, and I was like, fuck, he hasn't asked me a single damn thing about me. And it's, It's like, we're in the same, like we were literally in the same boat. We both struggled to come with partners. And I was like, how is it that you have this opportunity where someone is openly discussing and asking questions, getting feedback, super interested in it, that you just don't inquire about them? I was like, okay. Uh, Because the male orgasm is more important than the female, obviously. Yeah, I was like, I just, I think, I think he was someone that was good at responding to my questions, but not good at instigating it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's fine. It just means that I'm not going to be able to get what I want. And it didn't, it wasn't a bad ending. Like we still talk and like, you know, that was, that was the end of us hooking up, but it was like, okay, when you realize that you're not going to get what you want out of something, then it's like that for me, I'm like, okay, that's probably the line that I draw. That's the boundary. And that
0: goes for everything. That doesn't obviously just go for intimacy with partners. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to tie this back into each other, like the nutrition training, the the sex. How many of your clients come to you or come to CF Nutrition and say, you know, I want to look better? You know, I want to lose weight. I want to connect. Yeah.
1: Most A lot of them. I have, I actually, I actually have, you know, a, pretty decent percentage of women now that, you know, if they see our messaging, it's like a lot of people come to me because they've tried that and it hasn't worked. So, but, but yes, there's 100% of my clients, if they're not still saying it, they have at least said it before that they want to look skinnier. They want to look leaner, whatever it is. So how do you
0: direct or coach or educate that you can have both, that you can really start to Tune into the nutrition, but also
1: start tuning into the desires elsewhere. Look, I think ultimately when you understand why people want to change the way they look and you get down to the heart of it, which is people have big fears around being inadequate and crazy insecurities about being lovable or being desirable. And that is some of our most basic like intuitions, right? Like we just, we just want to be loved and we want to be accepted. And, and what that expresses itself as is if it doesn't happen, we are so terrified of that. Like we are so afraid of being rejected, of not being wanted, of not fitting in, of not looking like those gorgeous women, of not having those kinds of bodies, like, and not getting the partner and not satisfying our partners. And so like, it kind of links up when you get back to the the basics, like the real underlying issue. So I think that what happens with nutrition and training is you can come at it from a way of, one, it's going to make you physically feel good. Like it will just, if you get it right, when you get the good balance, it's going to make you feel better. You're going to get your energy more stable. You're going to feel stronger because you're lifting weights. You're going to not feel tired because you're focusing on sleep and eating enough. Like you will literally get this like feedback and have these experience of like, I actually physically feel good. And so you get this almost external uh, affirmation, right? And then the internal affirmation has to come from the other way, which is, I have to figure out how to just accept my body and I have to, I have to almost figure out like if the desire to change my body and some of these issues that I have with food really just come back to like my own insecurities, then I need to do the internal work of how do I live my life knowing that I have these fears and I have these insecurities, but I also have things that I want to do with my life. And I don't want to be scared of wearing a bikini. And I don't want to be inhibited when I'm dating people. And I want to feel not necessarily confident, but just free to be who I am. It's like, how do I do that? And the secret is not, I'm going to change my body so that I look a certain way because that'll change my insides. You have to change the internal workings. You have to change the way that you're thinking and the way that you're framing things and your perspective and your outlook. And so what that takes is like we said before, it's not going from hating your body and rejecting it to just being in totally in love with it. It's just accepting the way that it is. And if you can do that in this moment, if you can just accept your body in this moment, then you just simply repeat that for forever, right? It's like, all I ask is that people just accept their body as it is right now, and then keep doing that. Just keep doing it. That's what you need to do. You don't have to suddenly like just adore every inch of your skin. It's like, we have to accept it. And then we can try to respect it. And it's like, if you can get to that step, that's kind of the key. So the reality is life is not about comfort and, and always feeling happy and always being satisfied. It's actually about accepting the discomfort and the dissatisfaction and the insecurities and the hardship and doing the stuff that you want to do anyway and just knowing that that kind of comes with it so I I just think that people are using changing their body and changing the way they look and 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 all those things as a way to overcome that stuff and it doesn't work so yeah you you need the positive feedback from your body feeling better as well as the internal I guess shift of just accepting a lot of the shit that's going to be a perpetual part of being a human (laughs) you know it's like you you know what is it fucking buddha who's like life is suffering it it seems dramatic but it kind of is true and we spend so much of our time trying to avoid suffering and if we can just let life be hard it, it suddenly gets easy right like we suddenly stop resisting the fears and we suddenly stop resisting and trying to do something about the insecurities, no matter how fucking skinny and lean you get, even if you look like Kendall Jenner, you will still have insecurities and she probably is still also trying to lean out. And it's like, it's an impossible, impossible goal. So we are better to shift our perspective and start trying to change the internal workings than to constantly be on this fucking merry-go-round with our bodies and just our bodies being punished for no real good reason, right? Like our body's just trying to do its best, just giving this phenomenal tool to do, do stuff with. And we're like, no, you should be smaller. <laughs> you should fit a certain size.
0: You should look yeah. a certain way. Yeah. <laughs> our body's just trying to exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, someone like the Kardashians, for example, do you think this question just came to my mind? Do you think that they dictate their trends and how they look?
1: I think so. And I think the way, the place that it comes from is like they have so much status and authority and success based on like, you know, like I, I guess the Western version of success, like if you or the superficial version of like, like I remember seeing um, it was an athlete. Actually, she was basically talking about defining success and she had to redefine what success meant because it's very easy to be an athlete to be like winning is success being on the top of the podium like that is success. But that only happens for the winner, so everyone else is technically unsuccessful. So how do you define success in a way that allows you to enjoy the process and get something out of it? Because you're still getting just as much out of it as the person who wins. You've gone through the same process. You're just not at the top of the podium and that's okay. So she had put this thing up about like, what is success to me? Like what actually is success? And so I think that's really what it comes down to. It's like, hey, the Kardashians have this version of success that we all for some reason socially agreed that it gives you Um, leverage, it's money, it's status, it's, it's authority. It's like, you know, you have the material things to prove your wealth and, and to show off and to flaunt it. And we're just fucking animals and are like, oh, wow, she's got that like really nice fur or like whatever it is. Like I've got that shitty thing. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, we're just visual creatures, I think. And it's very easy to point out someone who's got the nice stuff, but someone who doesn't, but it's like all the internal things, it's like, you can't see that. So I think, I think, um, I think, yes, I think, do they dictate what success looks like and what the trends are with how you should look and how you shouldn't look? Absolutely. Um, But only if you are vulnerable to external influence like that. Um, So yeah, I think that the people that are that are copying them are people who are probably more insecure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um okay. I have a couple of quick fire questions for
1: you. Ooh, all right, I'm ready.
0: So, just to wrap up, three questions. What is your go-to lazy but healthy meal? Like you've come home, massive fucking day or shit's happened that you just didn't have
1: planned. You're like what am I fucking throwing together for dinner? Um, I will usually just do like chicken and rice and kale. It's really boring with um, a whole lot of salt and garlic powder. But I've been pretty good lately about getting, I'll order 10 uh, like pre-made meals each week. Um, And that's been kind of a just massive help Um, because I just, I'm not a big cook. I just don't really care for cooking, so (laughs) I'll do anything to avoid it. So, um, yeah, I tend to do that. If I do eat out, I'll try to do something where it's, like, I don't have to worry about cooking, but it's, like, sushi or, like, you know, something that's kind of somewhat healthy. Like, I tend to find my eating out can be, like, Italian and Indian and like beautiful delicious decadent food Um, and so what I often will do is actually still eat out because I don't want to restrict myself but I will have constraints around it so I'll opt for things like Thai or Mexican or sushi like Japanese food and that way it just means that I'm eating stuff that is typically one a bit smaller in portion sizes um, and two like I just know the ingredients a little bit better. Yeah, often a little bit healthier. So that's kind of one of the things that I'll do. Um, so three options. I'll either cook chicken and rice, very boring. Um, I'll have one of my pre-made meals, or if I do end up eating out, I'll try to eat it out, but I will still have some degree of constraints. Um, I don't think constraints are a crime. Like I think having constraints are actually quite good in terms of dieting because we live in a world where it's like you can fucking get anything you want 24-7. So <laughs> literally, <laughs>
0: I think that's a really important thing that you said, not fucking glamorous or something, you know, nutrition doesn't have to be glamorous. Make sure you're getting what you the basics that you need and have it work for you. And really people yeah. underestimate that planning, like yeah. put shit in your freezer so that you can come yeah. home at the end of a big day and have something there.
1: Yeah, I actually think it's super valuable to learn to be bored with food. Um, if you've ever watched, there's a great TED Talk. Um, it's called The Pleasure Trap. And he talks about the way that we eat, just heightening our sensory sort of reward system. And it's um, he's really funny as well. His name's Doug Carl, Doug Lyle, Douglas Lyle. Great, great, great podcast. I always, I probably watch it once a year just to refresh, refresh it. But um, essentially, it's like all of our food is designed to be this pleasure trap, and it's like this perfect portion of like fat and sugar and salt, and it's like you know, like everything or any highly palatable food that you just can't stop eating. It's like that is designed to make you not want to stop eating it um and so what happens is we get these incredibly high rewards in our brain like the reward system of our brain will light up when we eat these foods and so when we go back to normal food it's incredibly bland and, and relative to the good food so what you actually have to do is you almost and i this is the only case where I'll tell people to like go cold turkey, cutting foods out where I'm like, Hey, just like get rid of some of the exciting foods from your life. Because what I need you to do is I need your brain and your reward system to drop back down to normal, to get back to neutral because it's heightened at the moment with like the Uber eats and the takeouts and the yum food and the treats from the supermarket, like all those things, like getting a snack at the petrol station. Like we just get used to doing these things. And it's like suddenly when you do try to eat healthy, you're like, well, this is fucking boring. And it's like, okay, Good. Now keep going. Now you've got the boring stuff. Just keep yourself bored for another, like, couple weeks, and suddenly your reward system will actually, like, it's almost like it rejigs itself, right, and it gets back to where it should be, because we have avoided having these foods that bump us up so high, so it's, like, you have to kind of get yourself out of the web of this pleasure trap with foods, and so being bored with food is a really good way to do that, like, if you ate boring food for the rest of your life, you'd probably be fucking healthy, we don't typically overeat boring food, right, like, (laughs) Um, and it, it's, it will sustain us like it will it will fuel us. So I think that's actually a nice a nice way to help people with regards to food. It's not always exciting. And that's hard when we're uh, um, surrounded by exciting food. But it's a really nice little uh, tool to use and think about um, next time you're like, oh, I'm craving something. And it's like, well, are you just craving something exciting and novel and highly palatable because you're you're not used to eating boring food? It's like, OK, well, there's a signal to probably eat more boring food.
0: I'm going to have that in my brain now. Like you just said, like if if you start eating boring food, you're probably going to go and seek that pleasure elsewhere in a more fulfilling aspect of your life.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Question number two,
0: what's something that's not spoken about more often it needs to be?
1: You know, I had someone come up to me in the weekend at Torian um, and she was like, I thought it was okay for me to not have my period. My nutrition coach was saying that it's fine. And I feel like I've said it a lot on social media, and I read about it a lot, but I think I'm probably still just, you know, existing in my little echo chamber. And I just really want people to know that having a regular period that is virtually non um, non Oh god, I've lost that word. (laughs) Symptomatic. Fuck. Um, uh, I was gonna say (laughs) symptothermal. I'm like. (laughs) all over the place um that's yeah regular and shows up every month and is not none doesn't have any problems with it like we all should have that not having a period is a, a really big red flag and if you've been eating in a way or training in a way that's caused problems um then i would 100 percent be addressing that and i think then maybe what the next most important thing, or probably equivalent, it's there's no hierarchy, is that a lot of men that I talk to, um, and I know that you're typically working with women, but um, you know I talk with women whose partners report some of these symptoms, and then a lot of men that I talk to, they come to me looking for something else. They come to me looking for better performance or more muscle, and then I ask them about their morning erections and their libido, and it is flatlined. And I'm like... Hey, you have bigger problems. Like you are not going to accomplish any of your goals until you address this. And it's the same thing with women's hormones. It's like, if you've got a missing period, you're not going to accomplish any of your goals until you fix that. Because that is one of the undermining factors of probably why you were stuck, um, not being able to accomplish those goals. So yeah, they seem to my brain obvious, but I don't think they are.
0: They're so not. I had a call with a woman today um, in the U S and she has had irregular periods for nine years. And every time she goes to the GP or the gynecologist, the only answer is go on contraception like hormonal what contraception about
1: the pill. And they're like, Oh God,
0: like that's <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So it's no- yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, if you were to write a book, what would it be on?
1: Um <laughs> I always think about this. I'm like, oh, I should write a book, but I don't know what I would write it about. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, I've always thought if I were going to write a book, I could never write it from a position of knowing everything (laughs) because, uh, you know, it's like if I was going to title my book, it might be called like, I know nothing, um, but be everything I've figured out so far, you know, like be like all the things I wish I knew in my 20s which yeah. makes sense. Now I'm in my, you know, early thirties and I've kind of gone through that phase and figured stuff out in terms of my health and my body. So yeah, maybe it would kind of be like one of those books that's like everything I wish I knew in my twenties, but didn't. Um, How old so, are you? You're 32? 33. 33. Yeah. So it could be like chapter 33. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like Adele's album. So I'll just, yes. call it oh fuck, someone's 30, already done it. I'll have to do another one when I'm 50 or something. I don't know. But yeah, so I think it would probably just be stuff and it would cover everything. Like, I don't think that there's, you know, there's nothing that doesn't connect back to who you are in your house. Like, you know, it, it includes your relationships. It includes, you know, being clear on like how you budget and create and the stress in your life. And, and, you know, like the training and the nutrition is obviously pretty central, but I, I think if you're ignoring stuff like sleep or you know how you're connecting to your partner and pretending like those aren't impacting how you're going about your day-to-day life then you're missing an opportunity to to improve things
0: I think not even your partner like connecting with yourself like again yeah.
1: yes yeah so I'm sorry many. I often speak yeah. now from like a, your partner because I that's my perspective but yeah yeah as a single person, like fuck, like figuring your shit out and knowing what you need and what are your wants and desires and how are you getting them fulfilled? What is it that you need to add in? What do you need to probably take away? Like, what do you need to start saying no to? Like, what are your boundaries? Um, And then when you are dating people, like, what does that look like? Um, I think it's really easy to be dating casually and have wildly lower standards than you would if you were dating for a relationship. And it's like, but why, why? Like they don't necessarily need to be the same, but you should have standards for your dating and it's okay. And it's okay to like filter people out that don't need them. Like you don't have to date trash just because you're not looking for a relationship. Like, you know, have high standards and demand more like sexually.
0: Something I noticed about dating apps recently is I'm like, I am engaging with conversations with people for the sake of engaging in conversations. Like this is not something that I would have. It happen in the real world, but the standards are so low. You're like, Oh, just entertain this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I find it even harder. Like when I meet people in person for like a coffee, I'm like, it's such forced, like just talking. It's just like, I would love to meet more people just like out doing random stuff with friends, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem to happen that way. I guess for me, I've always used dating apps for a long time now. So yeah, but I always feel like the way I get to know people in the gym, for example, versus how I do, if I'm on a coffee date with someone, I'm like, Oh, it's always so like kind of it's not, I'm not my normal self. Like on a date, it's like this kind of like forced chatty talking, small talk bullshit. I'm like, Oh God. (laughs) We do that. Could we like design an
0: event around? Yeah. Right. Meeting people.
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess that's why people go to like singles events and like uh, speed dating stuff. Like it makes sense meeting someone in person, doing something that's interesting. Like, Yeah. I think what I've actually figured out is that a lot of dates are better when you're doing stuff, like going for a coffee date, which, which is something that is very easy to organize. That's probably the only thing, like I've always had better dates where it's like we go to the beach and go for a swim or like go and play. I don't know fucking go and play mini golf or something, which can often feel like high pressure, but it's like, no, it's actually just a better environment to get to know someone. And whether you end up being friends with them or more, it doesn't matter. Like just, you can just relax and just, you know, enjoy the night rather than force a connection and assess someone and interview them. It's like, no, I can change it up. (laughs) My last
0: partner, he, um, like we dated, we went on these intimate dates for a couple of months and we were, you know, sitting across the table from each other. And it was just weird. I'm like, you're someone I want to be friends with. I don't want to be intimate with you. And then one day um, he took me to work. He had to show me something at work and I saw him in his element doing his thing. Like, you know, shitty little um tradie pants, like didn't, wasn't <laughs> dressed up or anything like that. And the attraction, I was like, Anna, we're on, let's go. You know, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah yes. it's exactly. Show me your passion. Show me you get excited. Yeah. Yes. on yeah. the other side of a table from me.
1: Yeah, it's funny how we're different people when we date, right? Like, yeah. even if it's casual or more, I'm like, uh, how do I find? How do I find ways to just like. They have an environment where I can just be myself. Like it's just it's bizarre how we have to think of it like that. But yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I would love to do an episode on dating with you. So maybe we can book that in for yeah. down the track. <laughs> yeah. The Tinder doing do, dos and don'ts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anything else you want to add? I think that's me. Thank you. That was awesome. I feel like I did a lot of talking. You're good at not doing that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Wow. Like, do you do that deliberately? I know I've had people that I've done podcasts with who are like, oh, by the way, if I'm really quiet while you're talking, it's because I just want the listeners to be able to listen to you and not to me.
0: No, well, I was listening to you. So I'm like, yeah, this is fucking great. And like, I, in my head, I was like, I want to ask this question. And then you'd go off and answer it anyway. I'm like, cool. Thanks. Kate Thanks for being in my brain. <laughs> amazing yeah thank you it was awesome cool um I'm gonna tag you in the yeah I'll tag you in the show notes or whatever and I mean the people listening are gonna be following you anyway so you know
1: (laughs) um (laughs) thanks yeah it was awesome thanks girl
0: now you know the deal if you found this podcast useful or entertaining pass it on to a friend that you think might find so also otherwise slide into our dms and let us know what your biggest takeaway was Until next time, team.